You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean, dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are coming to the end of week 14. It's almost hard to believe. Christmas is right around the corner, which means several days of football games. Uh, marriage challenging times begin in week 15, where there's a Saturday triple header. Uh, so you have Thursday night. All day Saturday, all day Sunday, and Monday night. I don't know when you're supposed to get your Christmas shopping done, but hey, that's a problem for another day. Dennis, have you made your Christmas shopping plans? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's when you get to Tuesday. No, not Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. That's when you get your Christmas shopping done. Um, I have not made my Christmas shopping plans. I got to take both boys out to get presents for mom. What I did, though, this year, it's since my youngest is now old enough to handle email and whatnot, I created a Google document called Christmas List, and I sent everybody a link. I said, on the tab with your name, put your Christmas list, stuff you want. If you have links to it, all the better, pictures, whatnot. And so Sunday, my wife says to me, hey, you know, you only put one thing on your Christmas list. And I'm like, I know. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't want anything. I'm like, I'm 57 years old. If I want something, I go to the store and get it, uh, provided she gives me permission. I know I'm kind of at the point where it's not the stuff, you know, I like doing experiences. Even when we went to go see our nieces and nephews in California, we wanted it, we took them to this kind of um, Dave and Buster style place because we thought it'd be more fun to have a night where we're playing games and having a dinner than buying a bunch of stuff that you keep on a shelf. Yeah. 
I just want him to stay home and be left alone. Well, that's a good lead into week 14 because there was six teams that decided to stay home and be left alone. But that still left us with some pretty decent games, starting off with the first one. The Buffalo Bills hosted the New York Jets and came away with the 20-12 to win. Uh, Dennis, it was lost for the Jets, which hurts their playoff chances. Mike White also got beat up, so that will be something to watch. But I want to talk about Zonovan Knight. He's uh, really come on these last three weeks as they've been looking for someone to give them some spark at the run game. 17 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown, had a couple of receptions. What do you think of young Zonovan Knight? Man, he's looked good. It's, you know, unfortunately, next year he's going to be the backup to Brees Hall. So whenever Brees gets healthy, um, because I think that Michael Carter's role is going to be what Michael Carter's role is. And fundamentally, once they settled on Zonovan Knight, Michael Carter's role went back to being what it was when um, Brees Hall was there, except for in the games when uh, Brees Hall just didn't come off the field. So Carter's going to be that change of pace back, get some passing down work few carries and Zonovan Knight will be the cleanup guy playing mop-up duty things like that you know on the plus side is a uh, uh, undrafted free agent Uh, as long as he can keep it up for a little bit he should more soon more quickly get to a an opportunity to go pursue a starting job somewhere he could become trade fodder or maybe they decide Michael Carter's the guy they want to move on from I like what Zonovan Knight's doing. I picked up, um, I only drafted one share. He was one of those guys in rookie drafts. You know, I've got 20 or so dynasty leagues. And he was one of those guys in rookie drafts that towards the end, third, fourth, fifth round, um, I decided, well, I'm just going to grab a share of this guy just in case so I have him. And then in redraft leagues and a couple dynasties where he might have been available, I have four or five shares total across uh, all of my leagues, um, mostly in redraft because I was fortunate enough to grab him uh, in some of those leagues. So uh, I like what he's doing. He's got an opportunity. But, man, did you see that hit that Mike White took? That was brutal. And then he's only got just a – he's bruised. That was crushed my soul. I know. We'll have to see. They have a big game this week, too. You know what else has been fascinating is that uh, James Robinson trade looks worse all the time. I don't really understand what they were going for. I think some of that might be. So what what we've said, Achilles injuries take time. Well, Zonovan Knight isn't coming off an injury. Michael Carter isn't coming off an injury. I think that Robinson is going to be fine. He showed some uh, bounce back, but he's going to need more time to get fully recovered from the Achilles injury. Next year as a free agent, I think Robinson's going to get a little more of a, a sniff around. He's a good he's a good running back. He's got really good vision. wasn't was never known for his breakaway speed, but he can catch the ball well. He's a three down capable back. And he's going to get some opportunities. It might not be in New York, but. Oh, before we get on to the Bills, we got a question from George. He says he's potentially got uh, T. Higgins, Ken Walker, and Damon Pierce out. 
Uh, if that happens, you have to slide in Mike Evans for Higgins, which I don't think is too bad, and Jamal Williams for Walker, which uh, uh, Jamal Williams has been doing well. But he'd have to decide between Gus Edwards and Slayton for the flex. For me, it's no-brainer. It's Slayton because I don't trust Edwards before Dobbins came back, and now Dobbins is back. Well, I trust Edwards. I just don't know that he has the ceiling that Darius Slayton has. You know, uh, there will be a lot of – I, I think we need to really monitor the Baltimore injury news this week. You know, Dobbins busted that long run, but man, he didn't look like he had any speed and he was kind of little, he had a little hitch in his giddy up going there uh, as he was breaking that run off. Um, so for me, I agree with you. It's Slayton because Slayton has the higher ceiling and he seems to be, developing a floor right now with that wide receiver core that they have in New York, um, mostly because they just got a bunch of no names there. And, um, well, he, he, you know, he provides uh, a, a known, he's a known entity, but with Dobbins coming back, uh, unless Dobbins has adverse effects after last week, I think what you're looking at with Gus is probably eight carries or 10 carries. I mean, he, he averaged 5.6 yards a carry last week. It wasn't like uh, he, he was like awful. Um, he just isn't with Do If Dobbins is healthy, Gus is only going to get so much work. And so for me, that's why I would go Slayton unless I start to hear things where Dobbins is sitting out or Dobbins is limited. And it's not, and they're not saying, "Oh, we're going, we're just managing this practice kind of uh, approach." Um, that would make me a little bit nervous. Well, returning to the game, the Buffalo Bills got the win. They are ten and three. They are still the number one seed in the AFC. In the postgame press conference, a reporter remarked to Josh Allen that the Bills did not appear to have a Super Bowl winning offense. To which he didn't really know how to respond. I wouldn't have either. But the Bills are currently the number one seed in the AFC. We've had a lot of expectations for them this season. What do they need to close out in that position? I think if they want to take the number one seed, they're going to need to win out. Um, unfortunately, Kansas City has a softer schedule the rest of the way. And so I think that's that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. You know, both Kansas City and Buffalo don't have very balanced attacks. And teams can match up with them um, based on how their defenses are built. Some defenses are just going to match up better with pass-heavy teams with no real threat of the run. And, and I think that both Kansas City and Buffalo only possess a limited threat out of the run. Buffalo maybe a little more with Josh Allen. Kansas City maybe a little more with Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, but both teams are winging it. They're both throwing it 40 or 50 times. That's what they do. That's who they are. Um, but I think Buffalo is going to have to win out and hope that Kansas City stumbles or Buffalo will be the two seed. I think, you know, we've wanted to see – I think Buffalo needs to win out for a variety of reasons too. Uh, winning against the Jets was good, kind of avenging that earlier season loss. They need to do the same thing to Miami. Um, you know, I think they'll, they'll want to do that to have confidence as well, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you. On to uh, a game in the AFC North, and that was the Browns visited the Bengals and came away with a 23-10 to 10 
loss. Dennis, Deshaun Watson looked a little bit better. He threw it a lot more. He, you got your wish over 200 yards, but I want to focus on, you know, we've seen Donovan Peoples-Jones have a few flashes. Jacoby Brissett obviously didn't run the most high-volume pass offense. We thought things would potentially change with Watson in there, and Joku's done well. We've seen Cooper do well, but Peoples-Jones yesterday, eight receptions for 114 yards. What do you think of his potential uh, as the wide receiver, too, here with Watson? I think he's got a lot of potential, but what we really saw was just sort of a volume flip between him and Cooper from the previous week, where I believe Cooper had 11 targets or nine targets uh, against Houston. This week it was uh, DPJ that got got the targets. Uh, I like DPJ. He's the, he's the number two in Cleveland, and let's look at the snap counts here real quick. So Cooper outsnapped him. Uh, wait a minute. Would spell Cooper. Uh, they must have made a mistake on there because they're showing Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, not on uh, the NFL game and information stats. It shows David Bell with 68% of the snaps, Michael Woods with 21, uh, Cooper with 86 and it does – oh, wait, no. DPJ, he was at the very top above the offensive lineman. He played 100% of the snaps. Well, so Cooper was banged up a little bit yesterday too, so I do wonder if that impacted a little how it, it went. It may have. It, it may have. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones has a bright future, and I know that in Houston it was often, you know, a top dog wide receiver and then everybody else getting scraps. I don't know at this stage of his career that Amari Cooper sort of warrants that kind of deference. So I do think it, the rest of this season, you're going to see a little bit of back and forth. The Browns have a very favorable contract with Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones will be going into his third year, which, you know, if you remember back in the days of like 2016, um, that's when we expected wide receivers to break out was in their third year. And so Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of doing that breakout just a little bit early. He's got to find more consistency. I like him as a talent. He's probably a top 40 wide receiver right now, top 50 wide receiver right now, uh, with the ability to, to move comfortably into the top 30 and maybe even top 24 next season. On the flip side, uh, you know, we had a lot of receivers and tight ends out for the Bengals. Uh, They managed to make do. But one guy who came back is Joe Mixon. After a couple weeks out, 14 carries, 96 yards, caught a couple of passes. What did you think of Mixon in the return? You feeling good about him down the stretch? I am. I have significant rostership of Joe Mixon, and I am feeling fantastic. Um, There were a couple spots where I did not have – Samaji P. Ryan handcuffed with him, and that that was fretful for me. Uh, P. Ryan has a role, though. He's he's going to continue to get touches and and work. Let me see what it what was the snap. Let's see. Mixon played fifty eight percent. P. Ryan played forty three percent of the snap. So roughly a sixty forty split, and I I think that'll be the case. Uh, Mixon dominated the carries. P. Ryan had a little bit more in, in the passing game, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, uh, yeah, P. Ryan had five targets to Mixon's two, but 
Mixon had 14 carries to Pete Ryan's four. So uh, I think Mixon's the man there. And uh, now that he's kind of as healthy as you can be at uh, the 14th week, 15th week of the yeah. season, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Ross uh, slipping him in my starting lineups as I uh, make these playoff runs. On to the battle for Texas, which did not turn out exactly how we thought. The Cowboys do get the win, but it's very close, 27-23. They had to come from behind to do it. Levy Smith had talked about during the week not being uh, too afraid of being a massive underdog because he'd seen bigger in college. And it appears that he went to a good old college solution as the Texans rotated Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. Dennis, is that a good idea? No. No. You know the old saying, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And that's kind of, you know, I, I, I get the allure sometimes, but it doesn't work in college. And I can't imagine it, it's going to become something in the NFL. Da uh, Houston played scrappy against Dallas. And um, whether Dallas was just overlooking them, looking two weeks ahead to Philadelphia, I don't know because uh, – the game should not have been that close, but the, yeah. the snaps were literally split evenly, 33 to 33 between Driscoll and um, Davis Mills. Now, the production was not, you know, Driscoll had the seven carries, um, but Davis Mills threw 21 times to Jeff Driscoll's four. So that was, you know, the balance there just seems weird and doesn't seem to warrant starting, uh, you know, playing both quarterbacks. If you want to give Driscoll the shot and see if Driscoll can do for you what uh, – who's the other cat they just benched? Kyle, Kyle Allen. Yeah. yeah, if you want to see the, if Driscoll can do for you what he couldn't. But if not, then just don't, play Davis Mills. Don't give Lovey any ideas. It could be a three-man race. Uh, on the flip side for Dallas, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Do they do they need something else on offense? Today they went out and signed T.Y. Hilton. Was not a great offensive performance yesterday or didn't seem to be. We know the Texans have some good young pieces on defense, but that hasn't always panned out consistently. Did this win, uh, you know, or this performance say more about concerns we should have about Dallas or praise we should heap on the Texans defense? Well, I think the Texans defense did play well, but I just I don't think Dallas was focused. They they just, you know, were out there doing what they do, kind of going through the motions. I think they knew they were better than Houston and got got caught off guard a little bit because of how hard Houston plays. Houston has played really hard in the lat over the last two seasons. Uh and sometimes they're going to play over their head and be competitive where they shouldn't. I, I think that if they were Dallas was caught off guard because I think Driscoll's running and Pierce's ability to run really swayed the uh, time of possession away from Dallas. I actually think if Pierce hadn't gotten injured in the fourth quarter, Dallas they may not have come off. back because Dak didn't look great either. Uh, speaking of teams that, scuffled uh we called uh we called it on friday but the detroit lions sure came out on fire and got the 34 23 win over the vikings notice that for the vikings kirk cousins threw for more than 400 yards he had more than 200 yards receiving for justin jefferson but the vikings were 
Vegas underdogs coming into the game despite being 10 and 2, and they come away with a curious loss here. They've had a couple of difficult losses against potential NFC contenders. What should we take away from this loss for the Vikings? We should take away the fact that I was smart enough to start DJ Chark. I know you were you were no. open for Chark and Chark and Jamison Williams. It was very exciting. Williams only had the one catch, but God darn it if it wasn't for a 40 yard touchdown. Yeah, I, I you know, Williams, he's not playing a ton of snaps. Um, and he's not getting a ton of opportunities. Still uh, they're easing him PPR in. points. <laughs> they're they're easing him in. Um, no, you know, we kind of expect the, the game kind of went like we thought it was gonna. We've we've talked about um, both Minnesota and the Giants kind of being uh, paper lions uh, this season and maybe benefiting from having a favorable schedule. So I, I, I don't think any of us were really surprised. Everybody seemed to be on the Lions. Vegas was on the Lions, and the Lions delivered. Uh, I was listening to uh, Jeff Manns on SiriusXM today. And he, he said he thinks the Lions are the fourth best team in the NFC behind uh, uh, the Eagles. Cowboys, San Francisco. Cowboys in San Francisco. Um, and he's, you know, based on how they played yesterday, who's to argue with them? You know, they're going to need to do better than 2.3 yards per carry for Jamal Williams and 3.5 yards per carry for DeAndre Swift and stop giving Justin Jackson touches where he scores touchdowns. I think the scary thing, you know, because I, I tend to agree, I think the Lions are making this playoff run. You know, they're a frisky six and seven. They're five and one over their last six. The scary thing, if I was Minnesota, is it's very possible. I, I listened to this a lot on NFL radio today. Uh, I can't remember which one of the early analysts said he thinks Minnesota is going to be that classic team that wins 12 games in the regular season and gets blown out at home in wildcard weekend. And um, it could be that they see these Lions again in the playoffs because if the Lions track to be like a – seven seed and just make it into the playoffs and the Vikings hold where they are, like right around the second seed. Boy. Yeah. Could be be a fun time. And the lions are playing well all, all across the board. The defense is stepping up They're They're making plays. And as long as, you know, Jared Goff stays clean, he can deliver the ball. Well, on to another game that was a massive upset. The Jacksonville Jaguars go into Tennessee and hand the Titans their third straight loss, a 36-22 to blowout. The Jaguars are actually still alive for the AFC South title. They're only two games back, and the Titans appear to be reeling. And one of the reasons they got that win was 11 catches, 162 yards, and two touchdowns for Evan Ingram, who has quietly had a pretty decent season. He's currently tight end four on the year in PPR. Dennis, what do you you thought of Evan Ingram's resurgence? You know, uh, he reminds me of my Scott Fishbowl team. So he's tight end four, but it's after this monster game he had this week. So going... Well, he was top 12, though, going into the week. Right, right. So going into this weekend, I had... uh, I, I was ranked 1,100 or no, 1,030 was where I was in the Scott Fish Bowl. Sitting today, right now, 
I'm number 90 and I still have DeAndre Hopkins to go. It's like everybody on my team seemed to score a thousand points this week. And that's what it was like for Evan Ingram. He almost couldn't drop a pass. Uh, 11 of 15, 162, and two touchdowns. It was a monster game. And Zay Jones still put up a great game, too, with eight catches for 77 and a touchdown. Uh, and Christian Kirk caught five passes for 45. So it was a phenomenal game all around. If you had Trevor Lawrence and and uh, Zay if you stacked Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones or Trevor Lawrence and Evan Ingram, you had a very, very profitable day. Um, Travis Etienne, not so much. Uh, 17 carries for 32 yards. I, I feel like, though, you got to be careful with Evan Ingram. Like, I, I'm not sure who's on their schedule next week, but it seems like it could be one of those classic situations where he comes out next week and has three targets for two catches, 17 yards, and no touchdowns. And everybody that's chasing this week's points is like, that's what I – told guys in the chat i'm like you know what i don't think i'm gonna make it through next week in the scott fishbowl because my guys scored all their points this week so this is the only downside for jacksonville they need to be pretty good to make a run they are at dallas next week uh oh wait they're home for dallas next week then at the jets on thursday night then they have at houston which you know could go either way, and they close with Tennessee. The Titans on the flip side, you know, they seem like they're in a little bit of trouble. They've lost three straight now. The rest of their schedule is at the Chargers, home for the Texans, home for the Cowboys, which is a Thursday night game, and then at the Jaguars. Dennis, we've we've talked about, you know, the Titans obviously moved on from their general manager feeling like their roster wasn't in great shape. They just cannot get a lot going. Your boy Chiga Conquo did catch six passes, 45 yards, and a touchdown. But their defense couldn't stop much. And even though Derrick Henry got back to form, they just got blown out at home by Jacksonville. Are the yeah, Titans the, in trouble? They they could very well be. They lost uh, their best linebacker, uh, David Long, is out. And uh, Bernard McKinney, I, no, Zach Cunningham, who came over last year from Houston and has played really well, has been out. So they, they do have some issues on defense that they're going to have to overcome. But it could be a very exciting week 18 win and you're in showdown between Jacksonville and Tennessee. Which is, you know, the win and you're in showdown no one expected. Uh, on to New York, where the Eagles came to town and blew the doors off the Giants, 48-22. to Dennis, you thought Miles Sanders would have a good game, and boy, did he. 17 carries, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. He also caught a pass for 11 yards. He is coming into a contract year. What do you think happens with Miles Sanders? You know, I, I was reading, uh, uh, I, I believe it was either the Draft Network or Pro Football Network mock draft this morning and they had the Eagles drafting Bijan Robinson. So if that's the case, uh, then Miles Sanders is probably moving on. Um, but I, I went to, to spot track to kind of take a look at what Sanders um, contract is, what it's been, what other, you know, what's the free agent market look like. And, and the free agent market has a few players, um, 
but I think Miles Sanders is probably somewhere between the third to fifth best running back in the free agent class. Spot track values him at about a two year, $14 million. I don't think he's going to get that. I, I, it, could he get two for 10, two for 11, maybe. Um, but I don't think he's going to get two for 14. Uh, it's possible, you know, if he, he could go somewhere like, you know, Miami that needs a running back, Buffalo that needs a running back that can, that can grind it, that, you know, they need to change their image a little bit, for lack of a better term. Miles Sanders is a good running back. Uh, I just, I'm not sure he's going to be back in Philadelphia next year. But the free agent running class, oh boy. I mean, Barkley's contract is up. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, who's just Mm -hmm. killing it this year. There's going to be some options for teams that need a running back because it's, you're right. It doesn't seem like most of these teams want to pay this huge free agent contract to a guy. It's probably unlikely any of them gets franchise tagged. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think with these guys, they need to, I expect teams that have a lot of salary cap space next year to front load the contract so they can get out of it after one or two years uh, is kind of what I expect in in the running back field. So if you feel like you, if you're a team that thinks you need a running back to get you over the top um, and you've got cap space, then I, I, I think it makes sense to pay one of those elite guys, but I, you know, Arizona, maybe if they, if, if, Kingsbury survives. Connor's getting older. You know, somebody like that, one of those top three or four guys. Connor, though, has another. They gave him a multi-year deal at pretty decent money. I think it was three years, 18. So be curious. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. Um. On the flip side for the Giants, you know, the Giants were once 7-2. and two. They are 0-3-1 over their last four games, now sitting at 7-5-1. and one. Their closing stretch is at Washington in Sunday night football, at the Vikings, home for the Indianapolis Colts, and then at the Eagles. Dennis with the Lions charging hard, Washington fighting out there, and the Cowboys doing their thing. Is it looking like a fade for the Giants in playoff hopes? You know, the Lions or the Lions, the Giants have played over their head all season. Um, they had a favorable schedule early. Dayball was able to squeak out wins and get his team playing really, really well. Um, I, I think that honestly, it's probably best for them to not make the playoffs 
get a better draft pick, you know, get some higher draft capital. They, they're going to have to make decisions on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. You know, I'm not sure off the top of my head what their cap situation is like, but, you know, that's somewhere I could see, you know, signing Jones to a two-year deal and franchising Saquon Barkley uh, to be able to build on where they are this year. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. I have no inside information, and uh, I'm not sure what their cap situation is. But it's a it, – it seems like the team is gelling. They've got a lot of guys that are starting to coalesce around Brian Dayball that I think are going to want to try to stay there and see if they can make something happen. Um, you know, that's what good coaches do is they get people to play for them. And, you know, Brian Dayball is doing his best Ted Lasso. Yeah, I, th I think I've been fine with what we've seen from Jones and Barkley's been great if they hang on to him. It's the complete lack of receiving weapons that has been a real problem, whether it be injuries or just straight up misses. On to a battle for the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens came into Pittsburgh and both teams lost quarterbacks in this game for the Ravens. It was their second I mean, week in a row. Losing. Really? We all lost there. Yeah. But the Ravens managed to pull it out 16-14 to remain uh, locked up with the Bengals. For the Ravens, it was a big return for J.K. Dobbins back off IR, got activated late in the week, had 15 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown, which is great because they had just about 100 yards passing total as a team. What did the return of J.K. Dobbins mean for this Ravens offense? You know, he he's known. He, he's got great vision, great burst, great ability. Some of the burst – is is not back yet the the long speed that he had uh, is not back yet we saw that how he uh on his long run he, he he just wasn't able to pull away he looked almost like he was limping uh, it'll be something to to keep an eye on this week to see how how he really is um you know the they put him back on ir to clean up scar tissue because it was causing stiffness Given where his injury happened last year, you know, maybe they maybe it was something they should have held him out longer for. I, I know these world class athletes are always looking to try to get back and try to play. Say, he was the one that agitated hardest to come back week one. Yeah, he you know, but that's their mindset. Uh, I, I think if he comes through this week and he's able to hop back in there, and play well, uh, you know, Tyler Huntley is going to have to step up, but we've seen Lamar Jackson have issues because of the lack of receiving weapons. And, you know, they didn't add any receiving weapons. They just brought back J.K. Dobbins. But I do think Baltimore needed some kind of spark. The, the difficult thing for me when you're looking at Baltimore, they didn't have anything really going on in the backfield and they were struggling with receivers. At least if you can get a consistent running game, that can help bail you out a little bit. We'll also have to watch because I guess Tyler Huntley is no lock to play this week and Jackson's no lock to play this week. So could be fun time, you know, could Andy be the, uh, the wishbone, the wishbone offense for the Ravens trying to go beat the Cleveland Browns. So we will have to see on the flip side, Kenny Pickett got knocked out, which meant a return of Mitch Trubisky. 
Steelers fall short. Trubisky, 22 of 30, 276 yards. Did throw a touchdown late, but also threw three interceptions. This was kind of a big year for Trubisky to try to reestablish himself. Didn't happen. He still doesn't look good when he comes in here. What do you think happens with Mitch Trubisky in 2023 and moving forward? I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be a backup. I think he needs to call up uh, Geno Smith and go on the Geno Smith plan and just kind of float around the league, be quietly effective as a backup, go somewhere he doesn't have to play. And maybe when he's 34 years old, he can get a shot to start and look like Geno Smith again. Um, You know, Trubisky and Marcus Mariota both are guys that I felt like deserved another opportunity. You know, they got their opportunity. It's time to move on. I didn't totally like the fit for either of them. I thought Mariota had a better shot where he was going than I didn't like the Pittsburgh fit for Trubisky. And I still don't, I don't, I don't know if it totally fits what he's trying to do. I'm, I'm with you. I think he remains a backup. I'd be curious to see if Pittsburgh signed him to a two-year deal. They can get out of it, but you might keep him as a veteran backup moving forward with Pickett. So some questions there, but I'm with you. He's a backup for now on. On to the afternoon games. And this one had my heart uh, going a Twitter all over the place, and that's the Chiefs going to battle with Broncos. I didn't think Denver had a chance, and when the Chiefs opened up 20 to 7 to nothing lead, I went down and started to do some laundry. Came up, told my wife she could change the channel. And she's like, I thought you wanted to watch the game. I made you popcorn, and your team just scored. So I was like, all right, I want to see what's going on. All of a sudden, 21 to 27, I started to have that faint flutter of hope after you checked on my pulse, only to see Russ get knocked out and Brett Rippon throw a game-killing interception. So the Chiefs hold on 34-28. It was a roller coaster of emotions for me. Also a roller coaster of emotions because I happened to have to start Jarek McKinnon in a couple of places, and that guy went off. Seven receptions, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. Also got six carries for 22 yards. With Pacheco kind of taking the predominant rushing role and CEH on IR, we've seen McKinnon getting more and more involved as a receiving back. Do you like his prospects moving through the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I think he's established his role, and they're going to continue to use him. I don't know if he's going to get nine targets every game like he did this one, but like there was that that one target he got where Mahomes was just rolling right, and he just kind of flips it underhanded 15 yards to him, and he takes it for a touchdown. There were a couple wacky plays there. He and Marlon Mack were like uh, trading blows there for a while. You had to have been pretty happy. Yeah, you know, I still can't get, I still can't buy back into Marlon Mack. You know, here's the thing. So Marlon, Marlon Mack had a 66-yard touchdown on two receptions, and he caught 62 yards worth of passes. So that second one was probably more indicative of uh, where Marlon he also had a stunning 15 yards on three carries. But Matt, Matt, but Mac also is another one of these guys coming back from the Achilles. He's further along than uh, James Robinson in his Achilles recovery. But I think Matt, you know, Mac's a journeyman. He's going to float around the back end of rosters for a couple of years. I think uh, I'm not expecting him to, I mean, I'd say not expecting him to make a, a recovery into consistent relevance, but I don't think uh, anybody expected Dante Foreman to, and look where he's at now. So, On the flip side for Denver, 
where has this Jerry Judy been? Uh, Judy gets really pissed off and frustrated in the first half. Probably should have gotten a penalty, if not an injection, for bumping an official. Be curious to see if he ends up getting a suspension this week retroactive. But he's going to get a fine at the least. Eight catches, 73 yards, and three touchdowns kind of channeled that aggression into a playing style that we haven't seen. Got this Broncos offense going. Does that give you hope down the stretch? You know, he sucked all the life out of Cortland Sutton. It's like interview with a vampire or something. And and now Cortland Sutton is, is gone and Jerry Judy's back. Um, you know, they have to throw the ball to somebody. And Judy's He's a good wide receiver. Is he three touchdowns a game good? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Um, he averaged less than 10 yards of reception. His, what, his long was only 18 yards. So it was, it, it was happening close to the line. It was great for PPR. And, you know, when they were inside the five-yard line, Russ and Rippon were looking for him in the end zone. So I don't know if I, you know, it's going to be scary having to slot him into your lineup next week because you're definitely going to feel that chasing points uh, feeling when you do. But it was a phenomenal game by him uh, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I think he was waiting because in a couple of leagues, I just I didn't start him because I wasn't confident. And as I watched all those touchdowns, I thought, of course, that's what's happening. Uh, that was not the only surprise of the afternoon up in Seattle. The Carolina Panthers came to Seattle and got the 30 to 24 victory. Dennis, only five and eight. The Panthers, arguably, after firing their coach, should be tanking to get a high draft pick and find a quarterback. But instead, they actually seem to have a realistic shot at getting back into the divisional playoff race. Their closing schedule there at home for Pittsburgh, at home for Detroit then at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans. What do you think of this Carolina Panthers late season surge? Steve Wilkes is trying to get that job. He's trying like hell to get that job. I mean, they ran it, what, what's what's that, 35, 40. They ran it 46 times. So they're certainly not not putting it on the shoulders of Sam Darnold to try and win. Um, And after – um, a couple games of getting the ball to DJ Moore, that did not happen this week. Moore put up a goose egg. Uh, well, no, he had 0.6 because he uh, had two rushes for six yards. Uh, but when you're only throwing it 24 times and you, you're spreading it around to 10 different receivers, that's not good for fantasy. So they need to kind of close the funnel up for fantasy can they make a run? You know, defense was – they have some good defensive players. Um, and as long as they can keep playing hard for Wilkes, I suppose they got as good a shot as any in that division. On the flip side, it feels like the shine's going a little bit off the Seattle Rose. They're three, uh, one and three over their last four. Their closing stretch is home for the 49ers at the Chiefs, home for the Jets, home for the Rams. We've talked about Detroit's coming on, Washington's coming on, the Giants are still there, Dallas. Only three of those teams can get a wild card. Has the shine kind of come off the Seahawks 
down the stretch here? You know, they're suffering a little bit from a lack of a running game um, with first losing Rashad Penny and then now losing Kenneth Walker. Um, while I maybe expected a little more from Travis Homer than nine carries for 26 yards, uh, they needed uh, they needed something. You know, they put up good numbers from the wide receiver position for fantasy. Goodwin, Metcalf, Lockett, all scored touchdowns. Um but when you're playing the Panthers, your defense has to step up. You can't give up 30 points to the Panthers um, when you're not a team that you know often scores 30, 35 points. On to another uh, interesting game. The 49ers hosted the Buccaneers, and Brock Purdy and company destroyed Tampa Bay 35-7. to Dennis, the Buccaneers are now 6-7 and seven and have a scant one-game lead on the Carolina Panthers and technically the Falcons. They have a decent closing stretch. They are at home against the Bengals this week, which is tough, but then they have the Cardinals, the Panthers, and the Falcons, so they could in some ways control their own destiny, but can the issues for Tampa Bay be fixed? Tampa Bay is a, a team that is just – Mostly veterans that are, I don't want to say living off their past, but there's a lot of guys there that are going to be remembered in several years as really great players in the NFL. But they're starting to to move past that peak performance. Uh, it really stunk that um, you know Mike Evans had that play called back. That was a beautiful play he got behind uh, the, the defense and uh, they just kind of blew the coverage on him, and that got called back. Yeah, that's uh, like Evans twice this year. One, huh? Evans has had kind of a frustrating year. He hasn't had a touchdown since week three, only 59 for 805 so far. Yep. And it's it's a situation, you know, they've got players. It, uh, to me, it all goes back to the interior of their offensive line because Brady needs to be kept clean. Um, you know, Rashad White's coming on. I still think Tampa wins the division. Um, I think they're they're good enough. I think their defense is good enough. It's it's you know, are they gonna run away with it? No, I don't I don't think so. But I still I mean and San Francisco's a really good team, Brock Purdy aside. If Carolina won that division, though, I think Steve Wilk probably would get to keep that job. That'd be a lot of questions. Uh, on the flip side, you know, Brock Purdy had a very solid game, 16-21-185, a couple touchdowns. He got nicked up a little bit, but hopefully we'll be okay moving forward. McCaffrey killing it. We had a good game from Debo Samuel, caught four for 43, four carries, 21 yards, and a touchdown, but then got rolled up in a pretty gruesome injury. They're saying an MCL sprain now and a high ankle sprain. They're saying he could be back at some point in the regular season. The 49ers' last four games at Seattle, home for Washington, at the Raiders, home for the Cardinals. They're 9-4. and four. They're in a decent position to potentially catch the Vikings and get that number two seed and to at least lock up the NFC West. What does losing Samuel mean to an already down offense? You know, this is why you got Christian McCaffrey. Um McCaffrey, he only caught two passes this game, but we know he can go out and catch eight or ten passes. Carried the ball 14 times for 119 yards. 
phenomenal job there. He scored two touchdowns. Jordan Mason came in, 11 carries for 56 yards. Brandon Ayuk, two passes for 57. Um, Kittle, four for 28. I think the guy for me that is going to end up being sort of the glue that pulls it all together for them, because we know what McCaffrey's going to do. We know Ayuk. We know Kittle. Uh, we know the backup running backs. It's going to be Juwan Jennings, and he makes some big plays at opportune times. He doesn't put up great fantasy stats, and even with Samuel out, I don't know that he's going to uh, put up a ton of fantasy stats. But he's a, he's a glue guy that seems to always he – he's like Kendrick Bourne. You know, you, you see them make these phenomenal plays, and you often wonder – why they don't get more run, but there's always just a, a, a play here and a play there. Now is going to be the opportune time for Juwan Jennings to step up. He's a bigger wide receiver. I think he's like 6'3", 210. Um, and so he brings a different aspect. It's going to come down to can Brock Purdy kind of keep on the role that he's on. And if he does, I think, we need to really start taking a look at the job that Brian Greasy has done. Uh, I mm -hmm. wish I had I was driving when I saw it kind of flash across my screen on the uh, on my phone up in my holder. But somebody was talking about um, uh, Jimmy G playing as well as he did last year, and then Brock Purdy playing as well as he did this year, and Jimmy G this year, and nobody's talking about the job Brian Greasy's doing. I also think it's going to be interesting because. You know, Jimmy G looked good in this offense. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, looked good in this offense. You know, who didn't look particularly great in this offense. Yeah, I do. Uh, on to the Sunday night football game. The Miami Dolphins head to Los Angeles and come away 23-17, a loss. Dennis, the Dolphins were 8-3. and three. Now they're 8-5. and five. They're closing stretch. They're at Buffalo in what's a crucial game for both teams on Saturday night. Home for Green Bay, then at the Patriots, and home for the Jets. The three AFC East teams, you know, with the with the Dolphins, Jets, Patriots, whoever doesn't win between the Ravens and the Bengals and the Chargers are all going to be kind of in this pool looking at wildcard shots. After a couple of tough losses and a tough closing schedule, how are you feeling about the Dolphins? Um, before I answer that question, I just want to give uh... – Credit where credit's due to Evan Sowards of the 49ers. Hub. He was the guy who made that uh, mention of Brian Greasy. Um, you know, the, the, Tua looked bad yesterday. He did not look good. He was not connecting on the timing routes. Um, and it was not good. Other than the one big play to Tyreek Hill, um, it was a dumpster fire, and the running game didn't really pick him up either. Uh, they lost Jeff Wilson, Mostert, eleven for thirty-seven, so that didn't that didn't open up any of the passing lanes because the defense had to start to focus on the run at all. Um, you know, I think they're going to be fine overall. It's it, sometimes you just have a game like that. Uh, are they? You know, he's not a passer um, along the lines of Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. He's not this big arm, 
miracle worker. He's a timing guy. He's got a, a, a good enough arm, but it's all about timing with Tua. And if the timing gets disrupted, then it can lead to some awful games like yesterday. Will they close it out? You know, maybe. But I, I think they're – to me, they're not playing balanced enough. Um, the running game just isn't upholding that end of the deal. And then they're not really using the tight ends at all. And it's really it's really Tua, Tyreek, and Jalen Waddle. And I think you need to, to balance it out a little bit better. The running part has surprised me a little bit all year because that was the big thing that Mike McDaniel was responsible for in San Francisco and some of the other places he's coached. I'll be curious to see if they can get that figured out. Obviously a real bad whiff. You know, they spent a lot of free agent money on Chase Edmonds, who's not even with the team anymore. On the flip side for the Chargers, you know, they were a team that came in with a lot of expectation. They've also dealt with a lot of injuries, and that's had them playing and hovering right around 500 all season. But you're starting to see them healthier. It was nice to see both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back out there. A lot of comments about how Justin Herbert, for the first time since he took that real shot in the ribs, is looking a little more comfortable doing some of the things that he was doing last year. Now they're seven and six, a big win here. They're closing stretch. They're at home for Tennessee, at the Colts, home for the Rams, and then at the Broncos. So they have one of the softer closing four among the AFC playoff contenders. Are you feeling better about where the Chargers are right now? Yeah, especially with their wide receivers getting healthy, getting Keenan back, getting Mike Williams back. Um, you know, Eckler's still doing Austin Eckler things. Eight catches, 59 yards, 15 carries, 45 and a touchdown. They have a lot of weapons. And uh, despite what, um, you know, the probably unfair criticism about Justin Herbert's social media presence, uh, He's got he's got a rocket arm. He makes plays, and being able to uh, you know get the ball to his playmakers is one of his best assets. That that one throw he made to Mike Williams, where he rolled out right and threw that all the he probably threw the ball sixty yards across the field to Williams on the other side. There's not a lot of players in the NFL that have the arm to make that throw. Uh, and he made it look look fairly easy. They've got Joshua Kelly back, and he seems to be the guy they want to be. He's the guy they want to be their big back. Um, you know, whether it's inexperience, Spiller just didn't seem to grasp grasp, grasp that role. Um, but Joshua Kelly's back, and he's looking decent in that role as the change of place, change of pace to Austin Eckler. So the offense. As long as they can stay healthy on the offensive line, you know, they've had guys in and out of the lineup. They're in a position to make a real nice run. Yeah, and I actually think they will. Um, you know, I like their chances of kind of winning out down the stretch and, and ending up as maybe an 11 and 6 team that went an unconventional route, but it, they're shaping up of getting healthy and having a great stretch to take off. They could be one of the hotter teams when they hit the playoffs if they can put it all together. That'll when you want to get hot. When to get hot. That'll wrap up uh, the this part of week 14, the last game of the week tonight. 
the mighty New England Patriots offense taking on the mighty Arizona Cardinals defense. So um, I hope you are all bracing yourselves for that. I took the Patriots. I'm sticking with them. I don't remember who I took. I think I took the Patriots too, but I could be wrong. I didn't look back. And, you know, for as much as we talked about how we like what the Chargers are doing, if the Patriots win tonight, they'll bump the Chargers out and become the seventh seed in the playoffs. So uh, that'll do it for us tonight. If the people have a little bit of extra time while they're watching paint dry, I mean, this football game, Dennis, what should the people do? Go ahead and rate and review, uh, download, subscribe. Heck, I just got a note from Chartable today. We're up 42 spots in Great Britain. So blimey. Oh, that's that's Scottish, right? No, no, I think that is English. Yeah, we're we're not international. Some course. bangers and mash, some fish and chips. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle them the 40 yard line. Who can make a break? I can. Who can make a break? I can.